to describe what God is like, what would you say? Would you point to uh, certain characteristics or certain attributes that you would highlight? And maybe as important as what you would say is how you would say it. Like, would you just give kind of facts about God or stories about him? Or would you tell stories to describe who he is and what he is like and what he has done for you in your life? How would you go about describing the indescribable and inviting people to find and follow him with you? One of the many things that Jesus came to do is this. Jesus came to teach us what God is like and show us what life with him looks like. The life of Jesus gives us a glimpse into the Father. Colossians says that Jesus is the exact representation of his being. And so when we look in the Gospels at the life of Jesus, we see God in flesh and how he lived and moved among us. And we learn more about who he is and what he is like. In Jesus, we catch a glimpse of heaven invading earth and the difference that it can make. This is oftentimes referred to as the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Uh, we, we see Matthew and, and Mark and Luke and John talk about those things. When, when you read through the gospel of Matthew, you'll usually read it as the kingdom of heaven uh, because he wrote to a predominantly Jewish audience. And so for, for the name of God to be in print uh, could be a little bit jarring. And so Matthew tamed it down just a little bit by calling it the kingdom of heaven, but it's ultimately the same thing. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus came to proclaim that. And central to his message is that the kingdom of heaven has come near. That it is incredibly close and accessible to every single one of us. And that through him, we can enter into God's kingdom. And so in Jesus, we see a clear picture of who God is and what he is like. And through Jesus, we have access to that kingdom. We have been invited in to be with him. And Jesus' preferred method for teaching about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven was through um, parables. Parables are these ordinary stories about an extraordinary kingdom. In fact, 35% of Jesus' teachings in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, 35% of what Jesus teaches is in the form of a parable. And so what is a parable? The most common definition is that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. They are these extended similes, these, these comparisons that just kind of run and meander into a story. And so Jesus would say, eh, you know, the kingdom of heaven is, is kind of like these guests at a dinner party. The kingdom of heaven is kind of like a Samaritan who saw someone in need. The kingdom of God is kind of like these workers in a vineyard. Or it's kind of like this, this shepherd who lost one of his sheep. 
These comparisons would oftentimes turn into a story that people would be very familiar with. It's kind of a part of their, their, their culture, their vernacular, like they would have understood the stories. But as Jesus told them, they would have understood and learned something new about who God is and what he's like, about what it means to live for him and to bring his kingdom just a little bit closer to earth. And over the next few weeks, we are going to be looking at some of these parables together to hopefully be drawn into this kingdom more, to understand and discover some of the very same things that the original audience understood and discovered when Jesus first told these stories. And today we are starting with the parable of the sower. And so if you have a Bible or a Bible app that you like to use, I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, that is going to be our text for today. And the reason why we are starting in Matthew 13 with this particular parable is because it is foundational to every other parable that Jesus tells. In fact, in Mark's account of this parable, the disciples, when they go up and they're like, hey, Jesus, what did that story mean? Jesus says this, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? He's like, if you don't understand this then you're not going to understand anything else that I say. And so this seems like a pretty good place to start as we go through this series on parables. And within Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells us why he speaks in parables so much. And honestly, we could probably spend the entire morning because there's just some good stuff in these middle verses of of this parable. But, But basically, he says that these stories help him present truth in kind of a veiled way. And so if someone wants to know more about the kingdom, then as they listen to him and as they reflect on these parables, they're going to discover what they want to know. They're going to discover more about it. And if someone is just there for another reason, then these stories, they might be entertaining. They might be something that they're familiar with, but they're stories that are just going to go in one ear and right out the other. And I think that Jesus taught this way because he knew that whenever there were crowds of people around him that were there to listen to him, that that there were different motives within the crowd. So you certainly had some people, like the disciples, who were there because they wanted to learn more. They wanted to discover more. But Jesus also knew that, that he had people that followed him because they were just looking for the next miracle. They were just looking for the next free lunch. Maybe they were there because they saw this large crowd moving in this direction. They're like, hmm, I wonder what's going on here. I'm going to go check it out. Jesus also knew that he had people in the crowd that were listening to him and that were skeptical. And I think that Jesus actually showed a lot of compassion and grace to people who were kind of leery on all of this. But there were also people that were there looking for reasons to trap Jesus, to catch him in something that he said so that they could use it against him. And so to those who wanted to hear and learn more, they would get what they desired as they listened to these words, that the kingdom of God would be planted in their heart and would grow abundant fruit in their lives. But to those who didn't, these stories wouldn't really amount to anything and Charles Spurgeon once wrote about the parables, the same sun that melts the wax hardens 
the clay. And the parables were a tool that Jesus could use to discern who was who. Jesus taught in parables because they had a way of revealing truth to those who were looking for it, while at the same time concealing truth from those who didn't really care. And as we'll see, that's why this parable in Matthew 13 is so foundational to all of the others. It's a parable about how we listen to and how our hearts hear Jesus. And so let's look at the parable together. Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 3. Jesus is surrounded by such a large crowd that he actually has to to step out onto a boat and get pushed off the shore just a little bit so that everyone could hear him. And this is what he says to the crowd. He says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no roots. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on the good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. And that's it. Like that's Jesus' sermon for the day. <laughs> Jesus tells a story about something that they would have been very familiar with in in their agrarian society. They could probably picture it, maybe even turn around and see it. One of the things whenever I read through the parable is I always kind of like to imagine Jesus is is looking around and he goes, you know, the kingdom of heaven is kind of like, yeah, you, you see that guy that's over there sowing seed and he'll use that to kind of illustrate what God is like and what it's like to live with him and for him. And and so the people who heard this parable for the very first time, they would have been very familiar with the scene. It would have been something that they had grown up seeing all of their life. They they knew that as the seed was reached, or this farmer was reaching into his bag of seed and kind of throwing it around, that some of it would land on the path. Some of it would become food for birds some of it would, would fall into places where maybe other plants grew or maybe there were a bunch of weeds and it wouldn't really bear much fruit or much of a harvest. But they also knew that the farmer was more concerned about those seeds that fell in the good soil and produced a harvest. And so at face value, people would have understood what Jesus said, but what does it mean? Like, why did Jesus tell this story at this time, and what does he want us to know? People might be asking the same question that that you're asking after hearing this story. Who's the farmer? What's the seed? What, What is the good soil? What is this about the harvest? And as a teacher and preacher, I want, to, I want to tell this story and then go immediately into explaining it and, and breaking down what it means. And so I would craft my opening and I would pour over my transitions to make sure that everything connects. I would try to think of a story that better illustrates the story that I just told. And then I would wrap it all up with three points of application and invitation and invite Quentin to come up and sing a hymn of invitation for everyone to come forward. (laughs) That's how I would want to do it. But notice that's not how Jesus preaches. His sermons are much shorter. Maybe I should learn something from Jesus. Careful, careful. (laughs) 
That's not what Jesus does. Jesus tells the story, and then he ends like this, verse 9. Whoever has ears, let them hear. That's how he ends it. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Jesus is putting the ball in their court. He's saying, if you really want to know what the kingdom of heaven is like and what, what it means to, to discover it, then listen to these words, not just with your ears, but hear them with your heart. Ponder them. Think about them. Let them dig deep roots and grow in you. It's kind of like this. There are times where my girls will come up and they'll say, uh, Dad, we're hungry. Can you make us something to eat? And, and it's like maybe 10.30, 10.45 on a Saturday morning. We had already done breakfast. And, and Amber and I are you know, in the middle of something or, or whatever it is. And, and I, will, I will look at them and I'll say, really? Like, you're already hungry? And they're like, yeah, give, give us something to eat. And, and I'll say, you are both capable able-bodied 10-year-olds with two strong hands. Like, you can find something to eat if you are really hungry. Like, they know how to make a sandwich. They know how to microwave leftovers. It doesn't take much for them to find something around our house to eat and prepare it. And so what I want to do is quote them this verse, she who has two hands, let her eat. The book of dad, like... 24-7 in our house. <laughs> and sometimes they'll look at me and they'll cross their arms and they'll go, oh, fine. And they'll go back downstairs and they'll play. And I'm like, I thought that you were hungry. Why didn't you go and get something to eat? Maybe, maybe you weren't actually as hungry as you thought that you were. When Jesus says, whoever has ears, let them hear. I think he's saying, don't just think about eating. Don't just say that you're hungry. Eat. He's saying, take my words and devour them. Let them go in through your ears and invade your heart. And that's really what this parable is about. And to make sure we get it, Jesus does something that he doesn't typically do whenever he shares a story like this. Jesus explains this parable to his disciples, and we get to eavesdrop in on the conversation. Look at verse 18. He says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, and hang on to that phrase, does not understand it. We're going to get to that in just a little bit. The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. And so the seed is the message about the kingdom of heaven. The sower is the person who is out spreading that message. The soil is the hearts of those that receive it and hear it. And at first... Jesus is the sower of the seed. He is the one that is out spreading the good news about the kingdom of heaven to anyone who would listen. He is the predominant sower. But by the time we get to the end of Matthew's gospel, Jesus has entrusted that mission to us. 
He is sending us out. We are now the ones responsible for sharing the message about the kingdom of heaven with the world. And notice the farmer does not give a lot of discretion about where he is throwing the seed. He's just kind of tossing it around. And I think it's because he knows that our job is not to judge the soil, but to sow the seed. We don't always know the condition of someone's heart when we share the good news of God's kingdom with them. But God does. He only asks us to be faithful in sharing and then leave the results up to him. And sometimes the message about the kingdom of God will fall on hard hearts where it is easy to be devoured because it just kind of stays on the surface. That's what Jesus means when he says that some people will not understand it. It's not that they won't comprehend it. It's that they won't allow it to take root and grow in their lives. In scripture, to understand something means to internalize it, to take it into your life and to live by it, to even submit to it. And some people don't want to hear the message about the kingdom of God because they don't want the kingdom of God, to replace their own little kingdom in their life. They don't want to take it in and live by it, and they certainly don't want to surrender the throne of their heart to another king because they're the one who sits on it, and it's quite comfy. And so the truth just kind of stays on the surface and easily gets snatched up. That's the first soil. Look at verse 20. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. This soil is the heart that hears the message about the kingdom of God and receives it with great joy and and excitement. They're they're, they're excited about this new faith that they found and and following Jesus and, and being a part of a community of faith within the church. But their faith hasn't had a chance to really take deep roots in their life. And so then something happens and they kind of just fall or drift away. They go through a hard time that someone doesn't respond as joyfully to their new faith as they had hoped. They're asked a question that maybe they don't know how to respond, and it makes them question, okay, well, like, is any of this real? Like, I know what I felt, but I don't know how to answer this really good, thoughtful question. Maybe God doesn't come through for them in the way that they had expected. When the environment or the circumstances change, they walk away from the faith that once brought them so much joy. The seed sprouted quickly because the environment was good, but as soon as it changed, their faith withered away. And so what looked to be real and genuine faith was ultimately just a product of a good environment. Someone who served as a youth minister for nearly a decade and 42 years old is way too old to be a youth minister. But uh, (laughs) someone who served as a youth minister for for nearly a decade, I I can't tell you how many times um, I saw this, this play out. Like a student would grow up in a good environment that nurtures their faith, 
a good home, a strong youth ministry. They, they would have fun. They were safe and kind of secluded and protected. They were like a plant flourishing in a greenhouse in the, in the dead of winter. But as soon as they step out of that environment, their faith withered up. That's why so many students walk away from their faith after high school. And maybe you can think of someone that you love, child, a grandchild. Maybe that's your story. You grew up with this faith and this love for God that you thought there is nothing that is going to be able to shake this. But then life hit you square in the face. And you kind of started questioning everything and you're just trying to find your way back or find out what is true again. And the reason why I appreciate our student ministry so much here at Sherwood Oaks, the work that Grant and Sarah and Cheryl and and Matt, our 42-year-old youth minister, are doing is, is they are engaging students with hard questions and with real life they're, they're allowing them to wrestle with difficult topics. They create ways for them to experience life outside of their Christian bubble. And things like this mission trip to Honduras that 23 of our students and four adult leaders are going on here over spring break. And high schoolers, not to put you on the spot, if you're one of those that are going to Honduras uh, next week, or if you are a leader, would you go ahead and stand uh, just so that we can recognize you this morning? These are the ones that we're going to be praying with. We got one up there. Yeah. We'll be lifting you all up. It's why they worship with us in the 11 o'clock service. They serve on ministry teams. Our high schoolers are super engaged within the life and the ministry of the church. It's because we don't want their faith to depend on a separate event of always being around people their age and programming that is geared just for them so that when they graduate from high school, they graduate from their faith because they don't know how to engage in the life of the local church. If you walk into Matt Lindbrick's office, uh, which Matt, please don't file an HR report on me for um, (laughs) saying your age. I don't know if that's a violation, but we can deal with it later. If you walk into Matt's office, you'll see his one sentence job description uh, right behind a bobblehead Jesus. And it says this develop lifelong Christ led influencers. Lifelong Christ led influencers. And the reason I love this is because the thing that gets Matt and Grant and our student ministry team up in the morning is not to create a strong student ministry, but to create strong students who will stay connected to Jesus long after they leave high school. And that's really what it's about for all of us. The goal of discipleship to Jesus is maturity over time. It is seeing the word of God grow deep roots in our life so that it can bear much fruit. It's so much more than just an emotional experience in a safe environment. And so that's the second soil. The third is in verse 22. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life And the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. And so this is the person who accepts the message, who shows growth, but then looks for meaning and value and security and purpose apart from God. All of the other things growing up around it going, hmm, those look good. 
and it starts to choke out the plant. The soil is good, the roots are strong, but it gets tangled up and choked out by the, by the pursuits and the fears of the world around. And as you notice, there are two rival plants that Jesus points to, the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth. Our faith in the kingdom of God growing in us can so easily become overwhelmed by problems that we can't solve and worries that we cannot overcome. Those things have a way of suffocating our faith and keeping us from from remembering everything that we know to be true about God. Last Thursday, I got together with some ministry friends and we, we did a little hike around Fairfax and one of the guys asked us as we were kind of starting, what is, what is the, biggest, the biggest thing in front of you in your life or your ministry that, that's just causing you to worry, that's keeping you up at night, that's the first thing in your, mor- in your mind when you, when you wake up in the morning? And as we went on this just beautiful hike, the guys shared those worries that they had in their life. And at the end of the hike, our friend pulled out uh, Scripture And he read a psalm that is about God's protection and provision, about his faithfulness, even in the face of our fears. And it was such a good reminder for me. I don't know what it meant for the rest of the guys, but for me, it was so encouraging that in the face of all those worries, I can so easily forget about God's faithfulness and his goodness and his grace. And so our faith can get choked out by worry. But it can also get choked out by the deceitfulness of wealth. Notice Jesus does not say by wealth, but the deceitfulness of wealth. It's it's what we looked at in our strap series a couple of months ago. Money has a way of making us think, if I just had a little bit more, if I just had a little bit better, a little newer, then I would be happy. That is the deceitfulness of wealth. It's the drive that says, if I can just save a little bit more, then I will be secure. The truth is, is that money cannot save you. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, you cannot serve both God and money. The desire for one will always choke out the desire for the other. And so the person who's caught up in the worries and the cares of the world won't be able to receive the message about the kingdom of God because it is just one voice whispering, which God's voice typically comes to us in that whisper. It is one voice whispering amongst all of the other voices shouting for your attention. It's one influence in their life that can easily get choked out by others. But the fourth soil is different. Verse 23, Jesus says, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. This is the heart that hears and understands. And again, that word understands, it means more than just to comprehend. This is the person who internalizes the kingdom of God in their life. They take it in, they submit to it, and they surrender to the Lord. These are the ones in whom the kingdom of God bears fruit. The Jesus way of life just comes pouring out of them, and others enjoy it 
just like we notice and enjoy the fruit that grow on trees around us. And so those are the four soils. And hopefully, as you've been kind of listening to this parable and Jesus' description of it, you've kind of done a little bit of self-reflection. But as we close up this morning, I just want to ask you, which soil are you? Where do you find yourself today in this parable? And the first soil did not receive the word, even though they heard it. There was a hardness in their heart, and they wanted no part of it. Maybe that's where you are today. And oftentimes we think, well, the, the, the person who, you know, the, it just lands on the surface and it's snatched up, that's probably just the person who's not a follower of Jesus, who doesn't believe. But I don't think that's the case. In fact, I think that there are a lot of followers of Jesus who can study the Bible, who are in maybe groups that talk about the Bible, who maybe hear sermon after sermon after sermon about the Bible. And yet scripture and the word of God and this kingdom never really take root in their life. And so maybe that's where you are today. The second soil is the heart that received the word with joy, but when life got hard or expectations weren't met or they felt some pressure because of their faith, they found that it was easier to change how they what they believe than to change how they behave. <laughs> they just kind of pushed it aside. They fell away. And maybe that's where you are today. Following Jesus isn't as easy or frankly as fun as it used to be. And you're thinking it might be time to throw in the towel. And the third soil is the heart that received the word, but their faith and all of the other plans and priorities that kind of, kind of lumped in together and their faith quickly took the back seat. And maybe you find that your faith is just one of your many passions and hobbies and pursuits. The kingdom of God is in you, but it's not bearing any fruit because there, is, there are so many other things that are grabbing for your affection and your attention. And the fourth soil is the heart that receives the word and makes it their priority. It is the influence that influences everything else in them. So where are you today? In my walk with Jesus, honestly, my heart has been all four soils. There are times where my heart is hard and I don't want the kingdom of God to grow in me because honestly, I just kind of desire my own little kingdom more. It's safer, it's easier, and I get to be in control. <laughs> and it is a miserable kingdom to live in. <laughs> there are times my faith is shallow and weak. I feel like it's on the verge of withering away. There are certainly times when my faith feels like it is getting choked out by the worries and cares of the world. I have other priorities and interests that I put before it. Where are you today? And this parable is not about working harder. It's not about going into the garden of your heart and clearing out all of the weeds so that you can hear it. No, this parable simply calls us to have open hands and open minds and open hearts ready to receive the words of Jesus and let them grow in our lives.
And if that's your desire, then you have ears that are ready to hear. And Jesus will teach you the rest. And maybe for you, the words of Jesus are an invitation to come to him, to find grace and mercy and forgiveness, and to let that seed of his salvation be planted in you to spring up new life. Whatever it is, wherever you are, Maggie's going to come up and uh, share with us how we can respond to what the word of the Lord is doing in our hearts. Thank you for listening to this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can watch all of our video content, both current and past, on our YouTube channel? Visit youtube.com slash Sherwood Oaks to watch messages, series, and complete worship services.